Tonight at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue down our, our Bible teaching series, and tonight's message is on Second Chronicles. Um, <clears throat> originally, you know, this would be considered one book. First Chronicles and Second Chronicles is really just one giant book in in the the Jewish's eyes, but because of the length of it, it was on two scrolls, and that's how it ended up getting broken into First Chronicles and Second Chronicles. The same reason is why we have a First Kings and a Second Kings and a First Samuel and Second Samuel is that it was really just scroll length that those books were so long, so they ended up breaking them into first and second for us. You know, so you know originally this was just one big long story, but you know as First Chronicle kind of ends, you know it says really you know it's been talking about David and it's really at the end of David's life so first chronicles ends with David's death and it moves into second chronicles where Solomon picks up you know the the torch and begins to be king you know they're not really sure who wrote it um they estimated that it was a couple hundred years after they'd returned from their exile from you know being in Babylon you know and you know it is a message about David, the king of the, you know, of Israel and the priestly hood and the other kings as we move forward into, into second chronicles. And as I discussed last week, you know, it kind of took out the blemishes. You know, it, it kind of really promoted David, you know, it promoted the priesthood, you know, and, and it's beginning to promote Samuel. And it goes into talking about the other kings that were a part of Judah. You know, <clears throat> it did not talk about the kings that were in the northern country because it, you know, after Solomon had passed and, and Jeroboam took over, there was a split in the country because of Jeroboam's wrath upon the people and that he was an evil king that sought after idols and, and did things that were detestable in the Lord's eyes. Like even though you're you can read these stories in you know first and second kings and you see you know how David fell short and Solomon had his issues and and there's all these other issues that happened through all these kings it's not really talking about that stuff it's really kind of promoting the good side of what had taken place in their lives you know and it's really showing this you know, Davidic line, this line of David, that, you know, because prophecy said that the Messiah was going to come out of the house of David. So, you know, they're really anticipating and expecting, you know, the next king to come and save them, you know, and make Israel, you know, great again, you know, and rebuild the temple and everything's going to go back to the way it was and they're going to conquer the known universe, you know. But, <clears throat> it really begins to highlight the obedience of kings. You know, so as it moves past Solomon, it starts to hop on, you know, the different stories of the kings that were in the line of David. And it really starts to look at, you know, the things that they were doing right. You're even going to find some stories that weren't in, you know, first and second kings, really second kings. You're not going to find the, those stories of those kings are exact, you know, so you're starting to see, you know, a couple different stories for David and, 
in First Chronicles, you're starting to see a couple different stories for King Solomon. In Second Chronicles, and as it goes through the different lineages of the kings, it's showing how their obedience brought blessing. You know, because the writer is really trying to get, you know, the people reading it to focus on the good things that were happening and trying to get them to focus on the holiness and look at the priesthood and we got to get back into reading the Torah and we got to start doing what God is asking us to do. So it's trying to, to overlook the sins, you know, and we have that in our life. You know, as we start to focus on Jesus, we don't need to go re- revisit every last little, you know, dirty nook and cranny of the things that we did wrong once we've given it all to Jesus. You know, it becomes part of our testimony. It becomes part of our story. But as we're obedient to God, you know, he begins to take us on this new direction and brings blessings into our lives. You know, someone asked me recently, you know, could you ever imagine, you know, when you got saved that you'd be going to Kenya? And I was just laughing because I'm like, I can't imagine none of this stuff. Like everything that's happened in the last 10 years was like a whole new, you know, universe for me. Like, I was just really trying to get sober and, and not be as broken as I was. And then God grabbed a hold of me and he said, you know, let's do some cool stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't really want to do this. Okay, this is kind of cool. You know, and as I started to learn how to follow Jesus, things started to develop in my life that, you know, were pretty amazing. Like, it's really like when I look at, you know, life before 30, it's an absolute mess. Like, there's really no highlight reel except for highlight reels of sin and funny, crazy folly that will make you laugh because of how ridiculous things I used to do. You know, there was really no upswing into my teens and my 20s. Like, I did not do anything that was good. You know, the fact that I stayed alive was a miracle, and it's probably the same for most of us. You know, the fact that we're here tonight on a Friday night Listening to me talk about Jesus is like a miracle all in itself for most of us. But the fact that we're alive, that's a miracle. Most of us should be dead. You know, and that's really the case with most of us that are in recovery. You know, that we, we, we ran hard. You know, and that's really what Israel did. You know, when, when Yahweh wasn't doing what they thought he should do, they turned back to idols and they, you know, partied you know, really the train off the tracks. I mean, they, they started worshiping Baal and they started worshiping all these other gods and they're having sexual parties, they're having orgies, they're, you know, having temple prostitutes, they're getting into child sacrifices, they're doing all this stuff. And you can read about all this stuff in First and Second Kings, but the writer of Second Chronicles is like, that's the past. You know, we're not, we're not focusing on all our mistakes. Now, as we're doing step work, it's important that you do this searching and fearless moral inventory. It's important that you dig up some of this stuff so you're not haunted by it. But see, now here's, you know, they've been exiled for hundreds of years, or it's after they've been exiled a couple hundred years, so they're not trying to relive that stuff. You know, once we've been saved for a minute and we've done our step work, we shouldn't be feeling all the, the, the pain of the stuff that we did in yesteryear. You know, and as we learn to be obedient, God starts to bless us in some pretty crazy ways. Like, some of the stuff that happens, it's like, this doesn't happen to me. Like, this doesn't happen to someone like me. I remember the first time that I was going on a missions trip, and I needed the money to go, and I'm praying and having faith, 
And people are walking up to me and handing me $100 bills and be like, I've been praying and God told me to give you this. And I'm like, why, why didn't people do this when I was getting high? <laughs> I swear to God, that was my first thought. And then I'm like, oh wait, I, I'm serving Jesus now. Like, you know, Jesus was the second thought. It was like, man, this would have been a neat trick if I could have figured this out before. But thank God, you know, that, that didn't happen because I probably would be dead. You know, like, you know, God provides when we start going His direction. And He doesn't provide when we're trying to force things or do it our way. But when we surrender and trust Him, it might look ugly for a minute. And then all of a sudden God starts doing what, you know, He intended to do in the first place after sin gets broken off out of our lives. You know, so, you know, it, it also focuses on a couple of the kings that were rebellious or, you know, worshiped idols. And you're going to find a couple of their stories too that emphasize how they rebelled against God and the consequences that came when they were really worshiping idols and the consequences that ripped through the country, you know, as, you know, as they started to worship other gods other than Yahweh. And it's very similar as, you know, I've watched people and we've probably all seen people that are doing good in recovery and then they turn back to something. And not always is it something bad. You know, you see somebody in early recovery like, ah, I can't go to this, I can't go to meetings anymore, I need a job. And then within weeks or a month, if that, you know, usually it's the first paycheck and they're, you know, they're going the opposite direction. You know, unfortunately, you see it all the time that people that are in early recovery and they get in a relationship and that thing goes crazy. You know, you see people in recovery period sometimes get in relationships and things get crazy. You know, why? Because without realizing it, we put something in front of Jesus. And anything that we put in front of Jesus is an idol. It's not like we have this wooden carving of our relationship or a wooden carving of our boss and we start worshiping it and we put pennies on his feet. You know, it's not that way, but idols are different because our heart makes them. You know, our heart wants something other than Jesus because I'm not satisfied with what Jesus is doing, so I'm looking for something else to fill this hole. You know, and as they worshipped idols, as we've worshipped idols, it's wreaked havoc in our families and in our own lives. You know, I've watched people that have served Jesus for years and turned back to something, turned, and it wasn't even bad. And then within a year or so, they're back into addiction and things get crazy and people die and people go to prison and people are in and out of jail. And it's like, why is Jesus doing this? And it's like, Jesus isn't doing that. We're getting the consequences of our own actions. And it's so important that we keep Jesus first in everything that we're doing. You know, and sometimes we don't think it's that big of a deal and and we just get swayed just a little bit. And all of a sudden, things get real crazy for us. You know, and we're watching this play out as the, the writer of Second Chronicles is talking about the kings that were obedient to Yahweh, were obedient to the Torah, that got rid of the idols. You know, and you're seeing these stories of how God prospered the kingdom and God brought blessing to the king and God, you know, did all these things. And then the kings that were like worshiping idols and got everybody going in the wrong direction, that everything got crazy. You know, and sometimes we think that it's not that big of a deal as we're trying to progress in our recovery because my recovery is my own. This is my selfish program. I'm doing what I want to do. But, like, it's different when we believe in Jesus. 
Like we can float that kind of a story if we're just in recovery, but once we start trying to hang out with Jesus and trying to really focus on Him, it's like a different game because He starts changing everything around us for the good. And then when we turn from that, the whole thing gets crazy. You know, and it's so important that as we go through these trials in our own life, that God's trying to to bring in godly character so that we intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle us, that we are able to press through situations where our emotions get real crazy, that we really begin to realize that even though my head is telling me to run, that if I sit still that this storm's going to go away and that I can trust God because I've watched him do other things in my life where in the past, that stuff would happen and there's nothing I could do. My feet were just running as fast as they could. You know, God starts to show us that He is worthy, that He is trustworthy, that He is with us, that He is faithful to us, and sometimes in spite of ourselves because we start dabbling in the wrong things. You know, but it, it really starts to focus on the successful kings and the unsuccessful kings. And what was the common denominator between the two is their devotion to God and their devotion to worship and their devotion to the Word of God. You know, and they would call it the Torah. You know, and what we would say it's the Old Testament or the first five books of the Bible, you know, and the teachings of the prophets. You know, or they were focused on idol worship and Asher poles and all sorts of detestable things that would be honoring those gods that they were trying to serve at that point in time. But what the writer is really trying to show the readers is what's going to happen with our future generations. If we focus on God, that God will prosper us once again. And he's really starting to hammer down on the fact that the Messiah is coming. It's in, it's prophesied. It's coming out of the King of David and we got to get back and doing the right thing. We got to get back and, and getting into the Word, getting into Scripture, getting into the, you know, worshiping and, and following the, the leadership of the priests, you know, because they're trying to leave, you know, this new family history. You know, as we get saved, everything begins to change. You know, even though we may have done some crazy things before Jesus or before sobriety, that when we start honoring God in our lives and we start focusing on Him and we start worshiping God and we start getting into our Word, He not only adjusts our lives, but slowly he begins to adjust our family, our finances, you know, and other aspects. It doesn't mean that every single kid comes into alignment right off bat, because I've watched some of you guys struggle through the years, but you begin to change, and how they interact with you begins to be different. And it begins to be a little bit healthier, even though there's been years and years and and decades of dysfunction that you begin to handle certain things, and then they see that you're different, and all of a sudden, like, somebody starts to take a a step, and then they run away, just like we did. We took a step towards God, and then we ran away. How many times? How many times? You know, and I've watched it as you guys, you know, progress and and start to follow Jesus and how your families ebb and flow, you know, and it's like, you, and it's difficult. I can only imagine. I, I am not in the same place as some of you, But your faithfulness to Jesus and your devotion to his word and your devotion to worship, God works miracles in our lives and he'll work miracles in theirs. It's just a matter of time. 
you know, I'm sure that when my mom was praying for me, she would have been real happy if I got saved right around 12. But she had 18 more years of fun. I was just letting her know that, you know, that she served a big God that could get me out of all the mess that I was in, you know. And it's hard sometimes when we watch the chaos that we've passed down into the generations. But God is faithful that he's pulled us out of it, that he'll pull them out too. It's just a matter of time, and we got to be faithful and pray and labor. And, it, and it's, you know, sometimes it's ugly. You know, and that's what was going on here in this story is that it's been ugly. It's been ugly for a long time. It got so ugly that God got so fed up with it that he brought in Babylon to spank them and he uprooted them and exiled them into a different country and scattered them all over the Middle East. But, you know, God was faithful in returning them as they began to, to focus on God again. You know, it's, it's interesting because if we're not reading our word, we get things out of context all the time. You know, and Joyce Meyer talks about, you know, bumper sticker Christianity. You know, and Jeremiah 29.11 is one of those things. You know, we say, oh, God's got a, a purpose and a plan. He's going to prosper me, which is true. But when he spoke it to Jeremiah, he's like, put on your seatbelt. You're going for a ride. You know, and he sent him into exile. He spoke it to him while he was in Jerusalem, and then he sent him to Babylon. And it got real crazy for everybody around him, but God kept him safe through the craziness. Well, in that time, Jeremiah also had a prophecy that in 70 years, that we're going to be brought back. You know, so Nehemiah is fumbling through the scriptures under, you know, one of the kings, King Cyrus, I believe, and he comes across this prophecy by Jeremiah. And he's reading it, and it says in 70 years that we're going to get brought back into Jerusalem. And he's reading it, and it's literally 70 years when he stumbled across that, that scroll. So he ends up going to Xerxes, or not Xerxes, Cyrus. You know, he goes to Cyrus, and he shows him the scroll. And Cyrus pays for them to go back. He pays for the, you know, the, the Israel nation to go back into Jerusalem. He pays for hundreds, thousands of people to go back into their homeland, and he pays for the restoration of the wall. He pays for each and every one of them to make this trip. So this is a, you know, a pagan king who worships idols, but God gave them favor once they started searching God again and being obedient. You know, and there's a remnant that he, you know, kept safe even though they were in Babylon and they were worshiping. And you can see all these stories with, you know, Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see these types of stories because this is where the Bible kind of gets tricky because in Jewish history, First and Second Chronicles is the last book. But, you know, we have it stuck right after, you know, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Then we have First and Second Chronicles because it's kind of the same story, so they stuck it together. But what we're going to be talking about in the weeks to come, as we go through the minor prophets and we go through the major prophets and we go through all these, you know, other books of the Bible, is that that stuff is stuck in the middle of the stuff we've already talked about. Just like earlier, a number of weeks ago, we were talking about the Book of Judges. 
And then we talked about the book of Ruth. Well, the book of Ruth was in the middle of the book of Judges. So when you read the Bible, unless you like, you know, begin to, to investigate some of this stuff, you don't realize that some of the stuff kind of jumps back and forth and it gets confusing when you don't have somebody that's read it before you or have a smartphone so you can Google everything. You know, and that's why I like handing out those study Bibles to people is because I used to hang out recovery Bibles and it just focused on recovery. And personally, I think it's more important that we focus on Jesus and do recovery rather than make recovery the focus and put Jesus in the sidelines, even though we're reading scripture. The more we learn about Jesus and the more we learn about the word, we begin to go further with him. But we can't leave recovery behind because I've watched people get super holy and then all of a sudden they fall down, too. And what God has shown me through the years is that there's this balance, that we need recovery, and we need recovery people, and we need to have a recovery mind, and we need to keep it real, that at any moment, if I stop seeking God and I start seeking idols, you know, I might have a drink and a drug back in my hand, and things might get real crazy. You know, and unfortunately, you know, that that is the truth. You know, we wish that we'd be completely free from sin and never be tempted ever again, but that's not in Scripture. You know, that, you know, we watch the Israel nation get freed through the judges and go back in. Get freed by another judge and go back in. Get freed by another judge and go back in. We see them get freed by King David and then they go back in. You see them get freed by King Solomon and then they go back in. You know, so this is the history of the human nature of people is that God does a work in our lives and then all of a sudden we start dabbling in stuff we shouldn't and things get crazy again. You know, so it's so important that we stay so focused on Jesus and so gripping his word and saying, you know what, I'm not letting go. Because I've watched so many other people get just a little bit off and things get crazy. And unfortunately, you know, the jails, institutions, and death is a real thing. You know, and it's so important that we stay close to Jesus to the best of our ability. You know, <clears throat> you know, Cyrus was a Persian king, and they basically had everything conquered in all of the Middle East and up into to Europe on some levels. So he was a wealthy king, and he paid for them to return out of Babylon. You know, that, that Jerusalem was built, you know, and it, it's so amazing that... We, you know, we can work in secular jobs and we can have favor with bosses who aren't Christians. You know, and there also can be warfare with bosses that aren't Christians. So, you know, it, you know, and it's, you know, it's important that we try to represent Jesus to the best of our ability and be a light and, and loving, you know, and yet, you know, if things are crazy at work, we need to be praying and praying and praying. You know, that, you know, we're never going to have this perfect life. You know, we get on the Jesus cloud and we're just going to float through life. You know, that's not reality. You know, as I read the New Testament, I'm watching everybody that truly follow Jesus, they're suffering hooked to their story. You know, and on some level, you know, we are very blessed here in America, you know, and I'm about to go see suffering on a, on a level that I haven't seen, maybe I've seen it in different countries, but I haven't seen it in Africa, and, and it's always something different as we go, as, as I've gone new places. But they believe in the same God that we believe in, you know, and yet they're, you know, going through stuff just like we're going through stuff, you know, and we're fortunate to have, you know, an economy that's 
crazy but somewhat stable. It's more stable than anywhere else in the world. And we have benefits and we have services that are provided for us that other countries don't have. But that doesn't mean that God is any less big. You know, it just means that the rulers of those countries, as crazy as it gets sometimes even in our own, you know, that God protected us and God protects them in different ways. But yet that doesn't mean that we won't go through persecution. It doesn't mean that we won't, you know, go through hard times. But if we hang on to Jesus, that he'll get us through anything. You know, and if we turn back to an idol to satisfy whatever I'm going through, whether I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling lonely or I, I think that I need more money or I think this or I think that, and it's apart from Jesus' plan, things get twisted. You know, and it's important that each one of us makes a choice that for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. You know, and that can get difficult. You know, there's been times that I've been angry because God's not paying my bills. You know, there's a story that I was sitting right in front of my house one day and I'm like, I'm crunched with bills and I'm so frustrated and I've got tears rolling down my my face and I hit my steering wheel so hard because I was so mad that God would not provide for me the way I think he should that I bent my steering wheel. And then from that point forward, every time I'd go to drive, I'd feel the little dent and God's reminder, like, I got you, Tom. Like, you're driving a car, silly. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about that, God. Sometimes we forget what God's doing in our lives and the blessings that we have. Doesn't mean that we have everything that we want, but it's definitely better than it used to be. I don't know about you, but my life is way better than it ever was. You know, and as we focus on God, as, you know, the writer of Chronicles is really trying to get them to focus on God. Yeah, we went through some hard times and we did some, you know, stupid stuff, you know, as, as a people, you know, as, you know, but God and His mercy came and got us and blessed us and took care of us and saved us and redeemed us, just as Jesus has done for each and every one of us. You know, so it's important that, you know, we keep our eyes on Jesus. And after we have been with him for a while, I find that it's important that you do kind of check back a little bit. Not that you're trying to really relive everything. You know, obviously when you're doing steps, it's not a lot of fun. But, you know, for me... That, you know, the first of the year and St. Patty's Day, you know, and my birthday's in June and then the 4th of July and then Labor Day and Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, these are moments where we always kind of know where we are. You know, and pre-being saved, we knew where we were. Even when we drank every day, you know, those were like specially extra wasted days. You know, and even no matter how wasted we got, we could say, you know, I was doing this at about six o'clock, at least I remember where I was. And after that, it's a blur. But, you know, we knew where we were. You know, some of you, where were you last Fourth of July? Where were you last New Year's? But you know what? Where were you this Fourth of July? You know, God is doing a work and, and God has done a big work because probably for some of us, we never would have imagined that we'd be where we are now last year at this time. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, you know, God sent me to Nepal. And it was like my birthday's in June. And then all of a sudden, like, God's sending me to Nepal. And, like, before I knew it, I'm I'm flying over there. And it was like, that happened so fast. And even this trip to, to Kenya, 
you know, they advertised it at church. And they were, you know, talking about it and, and getting everybody to sign up for the trip. And, you know, that was Christmas, you know, New Year's during the fast in January. And then it was about March. And I remember hearing the Holy Spirit, like, you know, you're supposed to go on that trip, right? And I was like, uh, okay. And I asked Pastor Mike, like, is it a big deal if I get on this trip? And, you know, he's busy with many different things. And this isn't like a real huge priority. And like weeks went by. And then I saw that there was a deadline for finances to be in. So I checked back with him and he's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you know, so I, I signed up for the trip in like in April and all your money is supposed to be in by June. And God ended up providing for it. You know, and here I am off to Africa in a couple of days, and, and it's really exciting and, and kind of a little scary too. Like, God has great things in store for us. Every last one of us. I never would have imagined that this would be part of my life. Some of you that have been around a while, you could not imagine where God has been taking you already. Even some of you that have, have only been here for a few months or a few weeks, God is doing crazy things in your life, and it's like, this Jesus stuff is really freaking me out because he, I pray and stuff happens. Not everything happens, but he's definitely paying attention. You know, and the end of this book really comes into this idea that sometimes you have to look back so you don't make the same mistakes as you go forward. You know, and it's not that you go relive that stuff. You know, I will say that it's important that you do step work and you kind of have to do this moral searching inventory and a lot of us don't like that. But, you know, one of the things that I believe is that I technically don't have a drug and alcohol problem. I have a pain problem that I use sin as my solution instead of Jesus. You know, I've used many different sins. I've used drugs, I've used alcohol, I've used crime, I've used women, I've used money, I've used school. I've used this and that and other things to help me to get free. Now, I'm not trying to diminish the fact because I absolutely believe that I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Absolutely believe that I'm an alcoholic and addict. And if I get too close to it, it could drag me back into that lifestyle. And I have no desire to do that. So, you know, it's important that I keep it as real as possible. You know, and it's not that I, I, I get too far across the line, but, you know, what AA teaches us, is that, you know, you go to meetings to keep it green. You know, you have this spiritual awakening and you give it away to keep it. You know, and what I see in the Bible is that Jesus discipled these 12 knuckleheads and he's like, now go and make disciples. And as they left in various different ways and went in various different directions, as they passed on the message of Jesus, it began to increase and it began to increase and all of us are sitting here today because 12 people, 11 people, you know, began this process of saying, I'm going to do what Jesus asked me to do. You know, and as we lay our lives down for the Lord, who knows where he's going to take us? You know, some of us will work in the addiction field. Some of us won't. Some of us will go back into our old jobs or old vocations, and some of us won't. We'll find new vocations and new jobs. Some of us will go back to school. Some of us won't. You know, God has different plans for each and every one of us. You know, we, we never know what he has for us. But as we say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to do it your way. And we have to wrestle with letting go of control and laying down our will and laying down our future 
especially when we've had a really difficult past because we have all these defense mechanisms and we think that we have to help Jesus and that doesn't usually work out all that great. <clears throat> you know, and, and I found that most of us coming out of the brokenness that we came out of are have a, a couple two tree uh, controlling issues you know, that God likes to strip us of because he wants to be in control. So he fights with us and we don't ever win. And uh, so he's he's stripping off the old so that he can bring in new. You know, and what God told me a long time ago, he said, Tom, you can't fill a full cup. So you have to dump something out so I can teach you something new. Because I thought I knew stuff. You know, and the more that I walk with Jesus, I, I realize that I have way more to learn. I have way more to process. I have way more to, to really grab a hold of who he is because what I read in scripture is that he has the, these crazy supernatural stories that wants to be moving in and throughout our lives. It's not about just being saved. It's not about just being sober. That when I read through the Bible and especially in the New Testament, that it's not just about going to heaven, that we can live with a freedom here on earth. We can live with an inheritance free on earth, that he who set free is free indeed, in such a way that we don't want anything to do with the days of yesterday and what we used to do. You know, And it's important that we stay focused on him, stay focused on his word, realize where we came from, realize how far we've come, that we may not be where we want to be, but we certainly aren't where we used to be, right? You know, that that's the story, you know. And it's so important that we we keep it real, that we, we got stuff to learn. You know, many, many years ago, you know, as I was trying to get sober, for so many years I'm trying to get sober, I'm trying to get sober, and it's just not working. And then Jesus comes into my equation and starts really messing things up. He showed me that it's not about getting sober, Tom. Sobriety is a, a symptom of healing. Just like addiction is a symptom of the pain. So what my real goal is, is becoming a better man. And how do I become a better man? I can't do it in my own strength because I have no idea how to do that. But as I, I focus on Jesus, that he begins to do things in my life. He begins to do things in your life. And if you've been walking for him for just a little while, you look at yourself and you're like, I don't even know who I am anymore. This is kind of freaking me out. You know, and he starts changing us. We're a new creation. We start thinking different ways, that we go through difficult things. And our first thought is, I need Jesus or I need a friend. Where before it was like, I need to get wasted. I need to run away. You know, so our real goal is to become more like Christ. Sobriety is just a a symptom of a, a better life following the Lord. You know, healing, you know, breaking free from depression, breaking free from anxiety, breaking free from insecurity, breaking free from the way we used to think is a result of how much we press into Jesus and learn how to live his word to the best of our ability, knowing that we'll still make mistakes. We're never going to be perfect, but we can be way better human beings than we ever used to be following Jesus than the way we used to live our lives. <clears throat> so I just really encourage you, you know, that, you know, this has been going on for thousands of years, that there's a sin nature that's woven in and throughout man and woman and all creation that, you know, we, we want God, we believe in God, but I want it my way. 
And when I try to do that my way, I end up getting real squirrely. And if I grab a hold of the wrong thing, craziness comes back into my life. But if I, you know, go through the storms, trust in Jesus, no matter how difficult it gets, he somehow pops us out the other storm. And there's this godly character that starts rising up in us. And we see that he's faithful and he got us through the last thing. He's going to get us through this thing. And we learn how to be still as crazy as that is. That's like the hardest thing for some of us to do is just sit still because we just want to run. I just want to run. Like if I end up in China, it'll be all right. Just, you know, Utica sucks. Like, like what's China got? Like, I don't know. But when I get there, I'll screw up China too. You know, it's like, you know, I learned that wherever I go, I take myself with me. So wherever I go is going to be a mess because I'm a mess. So as I let Jesus heal me, that wherever I go gets a little bit better because I'm becoming better. You know, and there's the geographical change story, and I needed to do it, and some of us needed to do it because I knew for me I couldn't be in my old neighborhood around my old friends and do this thing. Some of us are stuck in these places, and we got to figure out how to do it. You know, he exiled some of us, and he brought us back, and, you know, there's various stories. But as we focus on Jesus, all of a sudden this new story begins to be written, and we start to see how far we've come in just a short amount of time. You know, and we're all miracles. The fact that we're sitting here on a Friday night is a miracle in itself. You know, because there's many Friday nights we are anywhere but trying to figure out how to have a relationship with Jesus. So I just, bow your head to me. Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing in each and every one of our lives. Lord, help us to to remember, even if we've been doing this for just a minute, help us to, to look at what you've done in our lives already. Lord, look at, help us to see the person that we're becoming since the day we first met you or the day that we got sober, whether it's one day or a couple of weeks or a year or three or we've been doing this for a decade. Lord, help us to see how far we've come since you first started coming into our lives and help us to know that whatever we go through, you'll get us through those things too because it's a miracle that we're even here tonight. Help us to never return back to our old ways. Lord, I just ask you to break off addiction right now in Jesus' mighty name. You break off any mental illness, any depression, any anxiety right now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, you'd uproot insecurity and bitterness and resentments right now in Jesus' mighty name. And you'd loose the peace of the Lord. You'd loose your love upon us, Lord, that we would be wrecked by how much you love us, Lord, that it would change us forever, that your grace that's been poured out upon us, Lord, we could never be the same. Lord, help us to grow in our relationship. Help us to know that you're not far off in heaven anywhere, Lord. You're right here, right now, that we can talk to you like you're our best friend, that wherever we go, you're with us, Lord. Help us to know that any difficult situation, that you're in our corner, that you're by our side, you're you're our front guard, you're our rear guard, Lord. You are what gives us the, the, the strength to push through difficult times. You're the one that gives us the courage when everything inside of us is telling us to run. You're the one that gives us peace when everything around us feels like chaos. Lord, you are bigger than we even realize. Lord, help us to step forward in our relationship with you and know that you have amazing things in store for us when we surrender our will to you and begin to learn how to do things your way. We will watch our lives take this whole new path, Lord, that even amazes us, Lord, that things like this could happen to people like us, Lord that you have such a story in store for us, Lord, that does not mean that we're not going to go through difficult times, but we learn how to handle it completely different, and we know that you're walking through these things with us, that we're not alone like we used to be. 
We don't have to handle things the way we used to because you're with us, Lord, that we can truly trust in you because you're a living God. And we just thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.